Welcome to the Financial Advisors Edge Podcast, a show created by financial advisors for financial advisors. Are you ready for some straight talk about building and growing a financial services practice? Four advisors in different states at different firms that have each built $100 million plus practices from scratch the right way through hard work, doing the right thing, and having fun while doing it. It's time for you to get the edge. Here are your hosts, Brad Warhurt, Jeff Copeland, Jim Martin, and Greg Gonzalez. On today's show, we're talking about when should you make your first advisor hire? Who should you hire? A service advisor? A producing advisor? How do you free up capacity? How do you hire the right person? And how do you ultimately ensure they stay engaged in your business? We're joined by special guest Adam Wachowski. Greg and Brad are here as well. Now, this show, we do have some audio issues. Just want to forewarn you, but we thought the content was really good and wanted to make sure we got this out. As a reminder, we do have a private Facebook community, the Financial Advisors Edge community. Search for that on Facebook. We'd love to have you there. If you have any questions about hiring, love to share some ideas, tips, and tricks. But sit back and enjoy the show. You know, guys, this is a um, this is going to be a great show today because we're going to be talking about the things that matter. You know, as you grow your business, how do you find the right talent in the right seat? How do you find an advisor that complements you? And I'm excited about today's show. Welcome into the Financial Advisors Edge Podcast, Greg. You have just made like in your mind like an awesome hire, dude. Tell us about what you've done here. Yeah, um, I I think I I kind of got lucky, but uh, found a, a good. Uh, uh, associate advisor to, to kind of join the team. And, uh, so far just, a what a month and a half in, he's been a rock star. He, uh, he's already licensed, uh, you know, good, uh, good advisor talking to clients and prospects. And, um, it, it's just been kind of, uh, about kind of teaching the systems and the processes that we have in place, um, and get in a, getting him comfortable with those because it is, it's, it's a totally new change of pace from, uh, what he's used to. So, uh, um, I, I think it, it, it's almost luck too, Jim. I, I know you've had a lot of, uh, quite a few, um, associate advisors and especially the one that, uh, had the hammock. Remember the hammock guy that we all, uh, joke about you're giving me ptsd as you mentioned this right now uh so i re- i really appreciate you rubbing in my face that i have been an abject failure on hiring so many times and uh, <laughs> and I, I will tell you that greg has the best hiring story ever greg how did you you know i know that you you, you did an exhaustive search for this individual how did you source this guy yeah uh, so so he's actually been a listener of the podcast since day one so he's you been cheated. a big <laughs> whatever it takes you know yeah. so uh, he reached out and was actually in, i don't know an hour and a half two hours from uh from my location so he had to relocate which uh, uh you know was was kind of a big deal but it, you know it wasn't like uh you know moving across the country or anything um but uh yeah he was a big fan of uh brad and jim's and uh i just happened to be uh the, the one that was closer so uh so he contacted me yeah, right place, right time. You know, I, I'll tell you guys, what kind of spurned this conversation, and we're going to kick it over to Adam for some uh, some expert commentary here, but what, what kind of spurned this conversation was we were, we were in a group text um, with about four, four or five different advisors, and we were, we were talking about some of the struggles of finding people, but putting the right person in the right seat 
and giving them the right task. And sometimes, you know, you, the reality is you can't just go clone yourself. You want to, or do you really want, I mean, do you really want to clone yourself? Um, you know, successful advisors are, uh, they're, they're kind of difficult to deal with sometimes. So what, what we're trying to do is figure out how do you make the right hire for the needs of your firm? And Adam, you're kind of in a unique situation where you work for a much larger firm and then kind of branched out on your own. And now you're in a position where, you know, you're growing, you, you have like an incredible backstory. So we're going to have to bring you on and really talk about that. But, you know, how did you, you know, when you're, when you were at your old firm, what were you hired to do? Like when you started there, what, what was the process? What was your role? Uh, yeah. So I was at a, a larger RIA prior to launching my practice about a year and a half ago. I spent, um, probably two and a half or three years there. And I was brought in to basically be business development slash service. So like one-stop shop, like we didn't split up the roles. It was, you know, a typical financial advisor relationship where you're, you're sourcing the business and you're then servicing it as opposed to, you know, maybe even some of the models that we'll talk a little bit about today, where there's somebody that is kind of the biz dev person typically like the founder of the firm, the person who's kind of got the rainmaking skills, and then maybe a, a servicing advisor. So we were doing everything. And I think, you know, I think the, the, the phrase you use there, the um, putting the right people in the right seats is a, a, is a good phrase for it. Because sometimes if you're trying to clone yourself, you could very easily run into somebody that's going to ultimately grow out of that position maybe sooner than you're expecting them to. Right, right, and and then you open your your business to some significant risk of loss of assets and um and having to retrain somebody later because let's face it, if you bring an advisor on, even if they're a trained advisor, you're you're going to have to go through a six month, twelve month period of getting them used to your processes and systems and everything else. So let's imagine then, let's talk about like what what we kind of think about the three maybe the three types of advisors that are out there and, and anybody chime in if I'm like right or wrong about this. And I, I think Fisher sort of have, has developed this, right? Like they, they, let's be honest, like they're like the 800 pound, 10, 900 pound, whatever the, whatever the pound gorilla is out there, supposedly uh, they, they have spent all of the money testing everything. And they have a, somebody that does completely like business development, right? Like it's just the sales functionality. And then they, they convert, um, somebody in a, to a, a service role. So the salesperson brings the client on board and ultimately then shifts that person over to a servicing role because those are two different jobs, right? Like, I mean, show, you know, show of hands here, who loves like client reviews? Like you get really excited to sit down and do a client review and hear about like the grandkids for the 500th time. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm just saying like, does that give you a lot of energy? Okay, no hands went up. Adam's like, yeah, I love it. Yeah, you're right. whatever, Adam. Um, you know, most most guys that are growing, they they like to close the business. There's like an endorphin dump. I mean, Adam, do you do you get a charge when you when somebody says yes when they become a client? Oh, absolutely. And uh, I mean, even just what we talked about again, like you mentioned that text thread that we're on. I mentioned a pretty significant potential opportunity that I stumbled upon today that. I mean, I couldn't even hide my excitement talking to the person because it was such an interesting situation that, yeah, absolutely. Like, that's the part of the job that, if you're wired this way, is particularly exciting. Yeah. How about you, Greg? You feel the same way? Like, I'm pretty sure you do because we get text messages when you uh, regularly, when you close some, some, some great pieces of business. We don't get them when you have an annual review. 
<laughs> that's true that's true yeah I, I i said on our last live stream uh on the elite advisor lab if i had my choice um and i could do only do one function in the business it would be business development uh converting a prospect into a client and yeah. walking them through our process and letting uh my associate advisor handle all the reviews i just like i get a kick out of uh working with those new prospects who are interviewing us that are looking for a retirement plan that is that's what i love doing and if i could uh, pass the torch and never have to do a client review ever again i would uh, be a happy person <laughs> yeah i agree brad brad's shaking his head yes over there and um i'm guessing the same thing like you like closing business is that is that accurate yeah for sure and um it's, you know, as Greg was talking, I was just thinking about, you know, the first couple of years of my career, I couldn't wait for the day that I didn't have to go after new business anymore and had regular clients to meet with. And then that day came and I'm like, I don't want to do that anymore. I would rather be out closing business. So, yep, I'm right there with you guys. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, you know, I think that I think the reality is then as you grow your business, the person that's really good at closing business probably does not want to service business. So trying to fit that kind of that round peg in a square hole becomes really difficult when you're making these hires. And, and oftentimes we just want to find the wrong, the, the right person. Uh, Adam, you've got, you've got a point to make. So let's hear what it is. Well, one thing, as I was listening to Greg there, one of the things that comes to my mind when I hear that, because I feel the same way, but correct me if I'm wrong for all three of you guys. You all three have a way that you want the clients to be served and contacted and how you want reviews to be done, but you don't necessarily feel like you need to be the person that does that every time, right? If you believe in the process that you've built to the point where, you know what, I want to go out and tell my story. I want to go out and meet new people because I feel confident in the way that I have designed this business to run. I just need other people in the right seats to help me implement it. But I want to tell my story to as many people as possible because that's the thing, like you you mentioned, Jim, like that gives you energy is telling more and more people about what you've built and why you think it's right for them or or if it's potentially right for them. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you're I think you hit the nail on the head. You you've got to be incredibly process oriented if you hire this individual because they need to run it your way. Um, and it's it's important that if you do hire a service advisor that's going to take care of your clients, firm clients, that ultimately they follow the process you set forth. They they believe in the same things. They believe in the same process. That they treat the clients better than you even treat them, which is incredibly important. So it's not like you're just going out. And you only want to close the business. You actually want to be able to serve more people. What this does, this is a capacity multiplier hiring somebody in this role because it enables you to then thereby serve more families, which is really what, you know, it, not everybody wants to do that. Some people want lifestyle practices, but many of us want to grow our business. And, and Adam, I love what you said about telling your story. Greg, how about you? How do you approach that? Yeah. Um, I, you know, there's a, there's a story I heard of a, a guy, um, a very, very successful advisor who, um, he hired a, a social worker and got her licensed and she was just like a sweetheart and she just loved people, right? She just loved review meetings, loved uh, hearing their stories. And he has her handle all of the review meetings. She doesn't have a, you know, a sales gene in her body. So she's not, you know, doesn't meet with any prospects, um, but clients absolutely love her. She'll sit in there and talk about kids and grandkids and 
cats and dogs and all that kind of stuff uh, update their retirement plan every review meeting. Um, and she's awesome, but she's a people person. Um, and talk about having the right person in the right seat on the bus. Um, it's just a, a beautiful example of that. But again, put her in front of a, a prospect and it would probably be a disaster. So. Right. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I think about on my team, I've got a, uh, I have a, a guy that's a, you know, we call him a service advisor. He, he, he just services, but you know, he's a full blown advisor. I don't want to diminish the role by any stretch. And I'm not saying he's not good at sales. We haven't put him in that role. He's just so good at service. That's where he lives. And that's, that's a sweet spot. And, you know, he loves like getting into the details on planning and getting into like the detail orientation with engineers and people that want to go deep, which absolutely drives me nuts. And, uh, <laughs> you know, and, and I think, I think where advisors make the biggest mistake and Brad, I'm going to want your opinion on this as well after I finish this up. But I think, I think where advisors make the biggest mistake is they end up trying to hire a salesperson and then get, you know, or hire an advisor, but then having them think they're going to be great at everything. Like they're going to be great at service and they're going to be great at sales and they're going to be great at detail orientation. They're going to be great at calling prospects and scheduling appointments. And let's be honest, like none of us are good at all of that. I mean, we're just not, we're good at like some very unique things and we're maybe okay at others. Brad, do you feel the same way or am I just making really bad hires here? Um, I think in, and in lots of industries, there's you know, specialization for different parts of the, uh, the product throughput, I guess. Um, I, I think that most of us, you know, everybody on, on here right now, the only reason we did it all is because we had to, right. I, I don't want to do both. And it's because we all have, um, there, there's a difference. I, and we, this was with another thing that came up in our chat conversation. And, you know, I think Adam and I had a long conversation about this via chat that there's a difference between an advisor who wants to be a planner, be a financial planner and handle people and talk to them. And then there's a difference between a business owner who has an entrepreneurial spirit who wants to grow and do more things. And Adam, is that kind of like you, you were at a firm and then made a decision to leave that firm. And I know you, you have great things to say about that firm and you know, ultimately you decided to make a switch for you, but kind of walk us through what kind of drove you in that direction. Well, yeah. So I, as you mentioned at the beginning, I think I have a really re, kind of strange roundabout way to becoming a RIA um, standalone firm in the last 18 months. Um, I, I worked for two great independent uh, firms prior to launching my company. And honestly, I I wasn't reaching my own um, kind of peak performance until I was off on my own because I think I, I was... I always had this feeling of like, I want to do things a certain way. I want to be the, I want to have the autonomy to grow a certain way and have the final say over how I do things, even if I don't necessarily know what that is quite yet. And I think that's one of the things that I've learned over the last 18 months you know, since having my own firm is that to me, that's one of the most exciting things about being an entrepreneur is having the ability to Yes, you've got this certain skill set that allows you to be an advisor, but at the end of the day, being the, the person who's thinking about, I want to have a business, not just a practice, is what leads to trying to figure out, like, you know, what we were talking about is trying to leverage if you can't clone yourself, because if you clone yourself, you might be setting yourself up for, you know, having to rehire pretty quickly. But if you, if you can't clone yourself, finding somebody that's really good at meeting with clients. You don't want to try to, in my opinion, I don't think you want to try to hammer 
something that that person isn't into them rather than saying, you know what, this person is really, really good with meeting clients and they're, t- they're doing an amazing job of taking care of the clients that we have been fortunate, uh, fortunate enough to, to, to bring into our practice here. Let me figure out how I can extract even more value out of them by maybe specializing a different role. And if that's like appointment setting, because as you said, like if you started off on your own as, as you know from scratch and like you had to cold call or you had to do seminars and you had to be the one that did a b and c all the way to x y and z like you're used to doing everything not everybody's built like that but that doesn't mean they can't be really 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 good at something and you just need to figure out okay how do i add this other component that kind of brings them back to being a clone of me even if it's two or three people doing very specialized roles to get to that point. But then it's really, it's, it's great leverage at that point. If you're thinking of it from a business owner perspective, hopefully that wasn't too long winded. Sorry. No, no, we're, we're used to long winded. Have you, have you, have you met Greg, uh, Jim or Brad before? (laughs) That's sort of who we are, right? Um, no, it was great. I, you know, it made me think about, um, it made me think about two things. Uh, and I want to kick it over to Greg on the second one, but um, on the first one, it made me think about you, you know you're right. I think everybody's got these unique talents, and 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 we've got to figure out what those are, and then play to those for these people. Because once you find an employee you like that is committed to doing a good job, that's a hard worker, it's really your role to figure out how do you leverage that in your business, right? Like that's important. And one of the best ways is just to damn ask people. Like, you know, I, I sat down with my guys. I said the other week, I said, what do you guys like doing? Like, like, I know what I want you to do, but that's not always what is the right answer. Like, what do you like to do? Like, you've seen what an advisor is. Not damn one of them said, Jim, I really want to go knock on doors or cold call. Not, like, not one of them. And the fact is, let's be honest, like, guys, you find an advisor with five or six years that has, like, really good experience. If you don't treat them right, guess where they're going to go? somewhere else like it's a competitive world so you better be careful and the other thing around that is greg once you hire somebody and i'm not asking you to give away how much you're paying anybody but how do you build a comp schedule that works for greg so when you hired this individual how did you build a comp schedule that worked for you work for the firm and work for them yeah yeah so uh it's, it's really interesting um and, and we really uh him and i had a really really deep um conversation uh we had a couple different informal interviews if you will where um you know the portion of the business of the firm that he works with he's got an equity stake that he's building in it um and that was really important to him and and um and and of course i was agreeable to it because you know he uh if when somebody has a a vested interest in the outcome um you're going to get a lot better results uh, out of them. And at least, at least that's my, my opinion anyway. And, um, it, you know, you want, you know, if you're going to have advisors, you know, teaming with you, uh, a, a part of the firm, of, of course you, you want them, um, you want them to, to have faith in, in the, I guess the vision of the firm and where it's headed and knowing that, you know, Hey, they're going to be more successful, the more successful the, the firm is. Over time. So, uh, you know, someone that comes in and says, well, I don't give a damn if, you know, we get another client or not, that, that that's the wrong attitude, you know? So, uh, and the other thing is, like you said, Jim, um, is you've got to, 
we can't assume that, you know, uh, advisors like doing, you know, whether it's making a call to a prospect or, you know, for example, I, I was an administrative assistant making $10 an hour. And part of my duties were to cold call cold call for appointments and seminars. And, uh, it, it was, it was miserable. I hated it. I did it. Um, but there was no, there was no bonus structure or anything. So if I had success or I didn't, I still made $10 an hour. What a terrible arrangement, you know? So, yeah. um, I, I mean, just, there was no incentive. Um, and it, you know, that was just for the, the people that I work with that that's what they came up with. Now I did have success over time, just trial and error. Um, but but honestly, I I, I think if you're just going to pay somebody ten bucks an hour, don't don't expect the moon and stars. Um, so yeah, I, I agree completely. You you've got to pay people what they're worth, and you've got to show them a path forward where they can earn more, and um and continue to grow in their careers and follow their passions. Like you know, one of my guys, I was asking him. And, and I, you know, for me, I'm very, I'm very motivated to find people with money that increase the revenue of the firm that I think I can help, right? Like that's what I'm after. But for him, he's like, you know, sometimes Jim, I just want to help people. I don't even care if I get paid or not. And I'm like, I'm like, get out of my office, dude. Like, that's what I want to <laughs> tell him. <laughs> but the reality is I get it. Like, you know, and I told him, I said, Go, you know, you can do pro bono and, and we can find people to help, but they can, they're not great clients. So let's figure out a way to do that. So you get some value out of it. Brad, for you, when you when you think about bringing on a um, you know, some talent, what what are the things you look for? What are the things that are important to you when you're going to hire uh, an associate advisor? Uh, I, I think I think I'm I'm trying to clone myself, <laughs> honestly. But you know, I actually, Jim, before I go into any further than that, I had a question. I would like your opinion on. Sure. I always I, I've kind of I've kind of come to the conclusion I think that in our industry, a lot of times we run into this problem bringing on help because we don't have the scale to be able to specialize. And I think you have probably gotten to a point where you can do that and have done it. And I'm curious if you've noticed that a difference between now that you have enough volume of business to to hire uh, for specific job functions compared to when maybe you hired your very first support person that they were going to be kind of a generalist themselves in support of you. Did, did you notice a change when you went from one level to the next? It's a, it's a great question. And absolutely. Right. Like I, I think you're, I think you, I think you're right on. Yeah, I, I sure did. You know, I made every hiring mistake as, um, as Greg pointed out earlier, uh, that, that you could have made. And I'm very open about it. I've, I hired the wrong people. I underpaid them. Uh, I didn't specialize early enough and, uh, I just didn't do a great job. I think, I think one of the cool things that exists in our business now is that you can outsource so many things that did not exist a couple years ago. Look, you can outsource your appointment scheduling. And sure, you got to pay for it. You got to pay for everything, guys. But yes, I think I think that's one of the things is like, yes, you can do it. But I will tell you, like, when I hired Sam, Sam is my service advisor, my life got so much easier. My business actually w- enabled it to grow. Because it was an investment. It was not a cost. It was an investment because he bought me time. And the one thing that we all have the same amount of and not enough of is time. He bought me time. And he bought me like, you guys all know this. Like We all have these clients who call in with with, with the same question over and over again and the nervous Nellies and all these things. He takes care of that now. I don't have to meet with those folks. They're great people, good clients, profitable, but they were a drain on me internally. So yeah, they they did. 
And I would encourage folks like, you know, I'd encourage, I know not everybody's there and I know we've got to hire, you know, you hire, you try to hire the jack of all trades when you do it. But I think Brad's point is right on the quicker you can get the specialization, the better off you'll be. And it might mean less profit, but it's a, it's a short-term profit cost because long-term, I think it'll be a big gain for you, Brad. Yeah. You said it perfectly. It's an investment, not a cost. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it, that goes back to what we've talked about a hundred times, hiring a talent, like hiring the right person in the right place. You know, this is one of the, in the elite advisor lab, this is one of the questions that came up. Like one of our, one of our members wanted to, had a question, you know, we were, we do a live every week. We do a live office hours uh, where we kind of dive into what we're doing, how we're doing it and um, how you can get better. And one of the big questions is Jim and Brad and Greg, Hey guys, when do we, when do we hire? Who should we hire and for what role? And these are hard things to figure out because they are going to hurt your profit in the very short term. But long term, they're going to be a big deal. So we we go over this stuff. You know, and by the way, just mentioned the, the Elite Advisor Lab. Like if you're not a member, um, look, I, I would encourage you to reach out. Uh, go to the EliteAdvisorLab.com. Uh, check it out. Uh, it is a uh, it's a fantastic group filled with amazing people uh, trying to grow their practices and get better. Uh, we do a, a, a monthly deep dive into a uh, facet of our practice in a weekly office hour, and we've got a forum with so much content and people sharing that um, you know I'm actually I, I think I should start paying to be a member. It's really good. It's uh, it's it's because re- I'm learning a lot in there. Like Greg, I've taken your questions that you ask and I gave them to both of my advisors. Said, dude, guys, this is gold right here. Like you ask these questions, game changer. Greg, um, Jim doesn't know we've been billing him the whole time. <laughs> Greg's on mute and he's talking, which Greg, is really, <laughs> which is really funny. <laughs> Thanks for billing so, me, Greg. Oh, you're welcome. We've been uh, billing you double. You just haven't noticed. Oh so. my gosh. <laughs> well, guys, no, um, it's it's good stuff. Uh, uh, Brad even has uh, coached people on cases that they're working on with clients. You know, some big prospects that they're working on and saying, "Hey, they, they've got this 401k. They got this other stuff. They're, they've got these other concerns. How would you handle this?" And Brad breaks it down for the person. Um, a couple different members. It's been pretty cool just to kind of read and kind of give feedback on. It, it's been awesome. So yeah, wa- watching these people grow has been. I, I didn't know if yeah. it'd be rewarding or not. I was I was unsure about how I would feel. Like I knew it'd be cool, but it's really cool to have people come back and say I- I've closed this case or I've implemented this strategy or I've done this, and it's like changed my business. Like they're they're one guy. I mean, I told it. I I still remember. He said, "Guys, here's my appointment." I said, "Um." I said, here's the deal, dude. You're about to get advice from Brad and Greg that's going to change your life and change your trajectory. Like it's going to change everything you do and it's only going to make it better. And then like a week later, the guys close a million dollar prospect. So check it out at uh, eliteadvisorlab.com if you want to learn more. Look, I, I think it's been a great conversation. I, I think the reality is um, you've got to hire the right person at the right time for the right role. But I want to kind of kick it around for kind of closing thoughts, last, last comments as we wrap up this tonight. And uh, let's go, let, you know, let's go to our honored guest, Adam. Adam, you know, you've been great so far, provided valuable content, and I really appreciate it. And I think we need to bring you back on, you know, when you're comfortable with it. And I really want to do a deep dive into, like, what you're building because it's it's completely unique. And it's so cool the way you're doing it. But uh, I don't want to get into that today, but I, I think it's incredibly valuable for the folks who listen. But what are your, what are your final thoughts about 
hiring and putting people in the right seat. Well, I just wanted to piggyback, I think, on the last thing that Brad said about um, hiring a generalist, and you took the pivot to what you can outsource now. I think that is a huge game changer because, I mean, even just my so my setup now where I use these third-party back office organizations, so I'm a member of one of the biggest custodians, but I have an intermediary that takes care of all my paperwork for the custodian, all of my billing, all of my reporting, et cetera, et cetera. Like a lot of that all came kind of bundled together. I paid, you know, 10% of my revenue goes towards that. But I'm in a position now where like the first person I hire doesn't need to do paperwork for me. So I like that question about, do I hire a generalist? Do I hire a, you know, a specialist? Like I'm, I'm struggling with that right now because I don't really need somebody to do the typical first hire stuff to do. So I, I go out and I look at who can I, who can I outsource specific tasks to, even if I have to pay a little bit more on a per task or per hour job, it's getting done. Like you said, a, a player level until I feel comfortable actually hiring a person for that seat. In the meantime, there's all these different options. And like, I, I, my head is spinning thinking about all the different things that you can outsource. Like I probably have a handful that I could list that I do right now, but I just think there's a ton of leverage that comes with that before you even have to start thinking about who's that first person going to be and, and committing to that salary, that expense, you know, there's a lot more options today than there were five years ago, even, you know, Oh, COVID COVID is 100% accelerated this where there are so many people out there that want to work from home and are incredible professionals. So I, I, I thank you for sharing that. I think it's, I think it's valuable, especially those people that are kind of on this cusp of should I or shouldn't I and what should I do and how should I do it? Look, you can take that risk outsourcing with almost no liability, right? Like it's the employees have liability. You have to get, you have to get all the unemployment insurance and payroll and all the other, all the other stuff. So I think it's great advice. Thanks for, th- first off, thanks for being here, Adam. That was great. And I appreciate the advice. Uh, Greg, final thoughts for you. And then we'll go to Brad. Yeah, that was, uh, that was really, uh, powerful what uh adam just mentioned there and he's right you know as far as um you know a hire i mean you could um you can have you know a a back office person handling all the paperwork and administration and you know dividend changes and beneficiaries all, all that kind of stuff um and then you know an operations manager at some point and and you know who that person you know what their responsibilities are you know that that's um that's what you can certainly dictate what I would, what I would look at is, is especially in the interview process, I I think Jim, you always say, um, hire slow, fire fast. Is is that what you say? That's correct. Yeah. And and there's a big reason for that, you know, figure out what the person maybe, maybe, um, you know, do a, uh, a Colby test or a personality test to see, see what they like doing, see what they're good at. Um, you know, because certain roles, I mean, gosh, if, if you're looking for, somebody in business development and uh in an old firm or, or an old uh, office i was at I, there was a guy that was in charge of business development but he hated talking to people on the phone like <laughs> it's like that's a wrong like, fit <laughs> right that's square peg round hole buddy uh and he, he said well i just i just want to email him you know if i if i could just email him um then it would be fine and um you know there's a uh, you know 
email only goes so far, especially with prospects, you know, it's just, it's just not, that's not how you get new business generally. So, uh, uh, that's what I would say is, you know, as far as, um, you know, building out your team, you know, and however you want that to look, look at what the responsibilities are, you know, and kind of put those down. And certainly you can have a, you know, um, you know, a scheduling assistant that's, that's virtual in, in this day and age. But, um, but yeah, the firm that I'm trying to build, um, and Jim's trying to build and, and Brad and Adam over time, uh, you know, an associate advisor makes a lot of sense, but it's, it's, it is kind of hard to find the right person. Um, and, um, you know, that, that is going to match what, what you're looking for. So. Yeah, good stuff. I love it. And uh, thanks for sharing that, Greg. Brian, how about you, sir? Any last final thoughts as we wrap up today's show? Yeah, so I, I mean, I think Adam and Greg covered most of the points already. But I'll tell you what, when when Adam was talking about, you know, outsourcing and technology, what just popped into my head that I, I'm going to think about just because I'm curious is, if you could go back, say, 20 years, or even maybe right before, say, broadband internet became widespread, what do you suppose, how much more support staff do you suppose you would need in your existing operation to make it work? Is it, is it three to one, four to one? I, I can't even imagine how many people I would need to accomplish what we do today with technology. So that's my, that's my final thought. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. And I think it, it, it sort of aligns what Adam talked about relative to outsourcing. You know, my, my final thoughts on today's show is, um, I waited way too long uh, to hire uh, the guys I hired. I made the wrong hiring decisions because I was trying to clone myself rather than just realizing, like, let me focus on my unique talents, the things I do well. I'm a great closer. I like to connect with people. It's really fun, but I'm not great at servicing clients. And once I hired people to do that, my job got better. And um, we could grow faster. And I would I would encourage people to not wait too long. But when you begin the hiring process, uh, Greg mentioned this, the worst thing you can do is hire out of desperation. You need to hire slowly. And when you're desperate, when you're when you've got a tiger by the tail or you you feel like you can't get people serviced, you make really bad decisions, generally speaking. So slow down find the right people for the right seat, but don't wait too long. You know, it's okay. Like guys, it's uh, the people that listen to this. It's okay to delay some of your, your revenue growth to build for the future. It's okay to slow down and get it because your revenue will catch up if you make the right hire. So that's, that's what I would leave you with. Um, I, I, our, our heartfelt thank you to Adam for joining us today. You are our first guest and I thought it was great, by the way. So we really truly appreciate you uh, taking a leap of faith in the, uh, at 10 o'clock at night to jump on here and record with us. And uh, guys, we'll be back next week. Remember, check out the Elite Advisor Lab. Look, if you're trying to get better, if you want to join our virtual mastermind filled with 30 plus hardcore awesome advisors trying to grow share and get better go to the elite advisor lab.com grace gonna kill me i always screw the url up elite advisor lab.com it's in the show notes as well have a great evening have a great day and thanks for uh listening to the show thanks for listening to the show check us out at the financial advisors edge.com if you want to learn more about us if you enjoyed the content make sure to leave us a five-star review and tell your friends about us the opinions that are expressed in the shows are that of each host only and don't necessarily reflect the opinion of the other hosts 
Like the weather, our opinions can change. This podcast isn't intended to provide tax, legal, or investment advice. Always consult with a qualified professional. We cannot guarantee our opinions or forecasts are right. See you next week.